0: One of life's most important and, and difficult lessons that to everything there is a time. And uh, we want to hold on to these good things in front of us, but we can't. So I want to tell you a story from when I was in college. And um, I had this friend named Jana that kind of ran around in my, my group of, of friends. And I had this specific memory of Sitting at the, the 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 cafeteria table with about ten friends, and we're all just kind of doing their thing, our, our our thing, having these conversations. And this really tall guy came and uh, began to speak with Jana, and he was kind, he was he was kind of standing over her, talking to her, and I couldn't hear anything about you know the conversation. It was this kind of muffled sound. I wasn't really actually paying much attention anyway, but. At a certain point, you know, it just looked like it was a very serious conversation and, uh, you know, but there's just kind of muffled sounds. And, and at a certain point, uh, all of a sudden I could hear what Jana was saying and it kind of broke out. And she said, all I heard was this, because you're standing over me and you're making me feel uncomfortable and I'd like you to go away. And something incredible happened. Uh, he just shook his head and he walked away and this, this thing was over. Jana, she didn't, she didn't call him any names. She didn't get dramatic about it. Okay, She didn't treat him like a creep. All right, She just calmly looked within and stated exactly how she felt and how this person's actions were having an effect upon her, on her inner spirit, she just said it. It did not seem like it at the time, but that was actually an important moment for me. Okay, For the first time in my moment, I realized that there were people out there in this world who could actually say out loud on the outside what was happening on the inside. I didn't know you could do that. I thought that was against the rules or something. I didn't know that you could listen To your heart, okay? Pay attention to it. Actually, let your heart be the thing that moves you to action. I thought your heart was something that you were supposed to ignore, okay? So that you could do the right thing, so that you could do the logical thing, do what people expected you to do. I thought you were supposed to, like, you know, uh, keep letting the guy kind of hulk over you and talk to you. And you're supposed to just kind of take it, right? you were supposed to be a nice, polite Christian and talk things out logically with this person who was stressing you out or making you feel afraid. Uh, and you were supposed to just get through it. And so unlike Jana, I spent years and years and years, I spent a very long time ignoring the voice at my center, ignoring the voice in my heart, never realizing that the voice I was ignoring was the thing that was trying to protect me from harm. It was trying to help me embrace the moments right in front of me. It was trying to help me love the people right in front of me. Trying to help me glorify God with the life that I was living. For so long, and I, and I still do this to this day. I live at the surface and the circumference and I and those around me suffer because of it. God is not lifted up and worshipped because when I'm causing myself and and, and, and the people around me to suffer because I do that. Uh, there's There's this Franciscan monk. He said it this way. He said, we are a circumference people with little access to the center. And I just love that. That's just so good. We're so occupied with the voices around us. Okay? The loud things happening all around us, so desperate to keep everyone around us happy, uh, so, so, you know, just trying to keep everything kind of in control, the things around us, that we lose access to the center. My friends, I'm, I, I want to show you that that's a, that's a surefire way to get lost real quick. It's a surefire way to suffer more than you need to suffer and get buried in things that you do not want to get buried in. So this morning, I want to ask you this question. Do you have access to the center? Does your heart actually shape the road that you choose to walk in life? Do you find yourself so caught up in pleasing others and and impressing others? Do you find yourself invested in kind of the material fashions of whatever's going on, keeping up with the Joneses, right, cultural expectations? Do you find yourself going to the traps of our culture, whatever it is, like to, to kind of just bump your way through life, like junk food or social media or or alcohol, or just you know doom scrolling on your phone because you're so stressed and overwhelmed and you just want to stay at the surface, right? Be a circumference kind of person. I want to show you that uh, you tap into a resurrected life when you go to the center and you listen to your heart. I want to show you this really, really amazing story from the Bible. It's a story of two men who are really hurting and they're really confused and they're really disoriented in life and God speaks to them. Okay, God speaks to them. God offers them something so incredible that you just absolutely wouldn't believe how good it is and they totally miss it. They totally miss out on a resurrected life because they have become circumference people. In their suffering and their pain, they lost access to the center, and so they missed out big time. And they almost realized it before it was too late. So if you have your Bible, you can turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, for this great story starting in verse 13. This is—I mean, this is like really long, so just bear with me while I read the Bible for like 30 minutes. Now, that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. Well, what is the thing that had just happened? Anybody know? In Luke chapter 23, Jesus was crucified. That's the thing that had just happened. Jesus had been crucified. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus Himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing Him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked Him, Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem, and do you not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? He asked. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find His body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said He was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but Him they did not see. Jesus said to them, How foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the Scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together, saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Thanks be to God for that very good word. So I'm going to map out this story for you uh, one, one way of mapping it out, okay? Very simple, simply, simply, just in three uh, succinct steps, three phases, and it mirrors, I think, uh, something that you experience all the time in your own life. Okay, so here's kind of my map for this story. You have the event. Alright, and then the embers, and then the choice. Okay, repeat after me. Event, embers, choice. I just, you know, you guys, this section could be the event section, this can be the, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, that just occurred to me, that'd be fun. We could, have had, we could have had some fun with that. So, first you have the event, alright, and as I said, the event is the crucifixion, alright. That's the event of this story. And uh, these two followers of Jesus had hoped, as the text says, that Jesus would be the one who would redeem Israel. Okay? They had hoped that Jesus would be this anointed one that would mop up all the corruption and sin and injustice uh, and overthrow their foreign Roman, empire, um, uh, Roman foreign occupiers. But as you know, that's not how it turned out, right? Uh, instead, Rome just crucified Jesus along with a whole bunch of other people on the side of the road. And he was dead. The crucifixion of Jesus was a traumatic event for these two men. All right. This is like a JFK assassination moment. This is like a 9-11 kind of moment in their conscience. And um, even more than that, this is like a this is like a someone you love has been in a car crash kind of moment. This is this is deep impression, this trauma trauma on them. This is like someone that you love has had a heart attack. This is what has happened to these two disciples. And then you pile on this trauma, this other event, which is that these people are saying that his body is missing. Which for us, 2,000 years later in our nice little Christian church, we're like, that's good news. You should be happy that the body is missing. I mean, you had your prophecies, all this kind of stuff, but If you kind of put yourselves in that shoe, I mean, maybe that's right, but maybe not. Like maybe someone has come in and they've desecrated the body. Maybe his body's been stolen. Like maybe this is even worse than it already was. This is a big deal. This has left a big impression. A lot of agonizing questions and doubts, okay? The crucifixion is their event. And then you have what I call the embers, all right? And when I say embers, what I mean is this embers are the burning feelings in your heart God uses to draw your attention to something important. If you look in the final verse there in 32, uh, they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while we talked, while he talked with us on the road and he opened the scriptures? to us their hearts were burning the whole time all day and they ignored those embers they complete and because they did that they completely missed out on an absolutely incredible experience that they could have embraced and enjoyed and cherished forever I mean these guys literally walked with the risen Jesus all day long and they completely missed out on it. How would you like to get to go on a hike with the actual Jesus? You would probably be pretty grateful for an opportunity like that. And they completely missed it. So I'm going to take a second to really drill down on this. They weren't paying attention to the embers. I want to show you something. I'm going to really nerd out for a minute. So bear with me, okay? Um So so Luke's Luke's gospel is written in the language of Greek. All right, here we go, Skylar. We're going to talk about Greek again. Um, But uh, so in verse 32, it says, we're not our hearts burning within us. Well, in the Greek language, there are two words for the word burning. All right? So if you want to pull up that picture there, you have two words. Uh, One word is pyro, and the other word is chiro. Uh, I'm sure you, pyro, you kind of pyromaniac, right? Um, so, pyros like to ignite, to kind of start a fire, okay, to, to, to begin to burn, all right? Whereas, cayo has a little bit more of a nuance of, of consuming, right? Incinerating, burning up, all right? And uh, uh, so, both of these words relate to fire. Pyro uh, is focused on the act of starting a fire, kayo is the result of fire burning and consuming something. We're not our hearts burning within us. Well, which Greek word does Luke choose to use right there? Well, he says we're not our hearts kayo within us. We're our hearts kind of consuming. There's this kind of burning up going on in our hearts. That's not actually the the real point. I want to take this one step further because what's really interesting to me about this, all right, is that I think you know Luke is being really crafty and smart here. Luke is a he's a good Jewish boy that you know writing a gospel to a lot of you know good Jewish people, and I think that he's providing a hyperlink, okay, to a very 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 important old Jewish story from the Hebrew Bible. Okay, uh, so this takes you all the way back to the Book of Exodus, chapter three, one of the most important stories in all of the Old Testament. And so I'm going to read this for you real quick. The Lord's messenger appeared to Moses in a flame of fire in the middle of a bush. Moses saw that the bush was in flames and it didn't burn up. Then Moses said to himself, Let me check out this amazing sight and find out why the bush isn't burning up. All right. So uh Actually, when when Luke was reading the Old Testament, he was not reading. It was written in Hebrew, but that's not what Luke read the, the Old Testament in. He actually read it in Greek. Okay, because that's what every you know. Basically, they, at that point, everyone people weren't really doing much Hebrew anymore. It was really Greek was the lingua franca. So so they were reading a Greek Old Testament called the Septuagint. All right. So when Luke reads the story of the burning bush and he sees this word about uh, burning fire, which Greek word is used there in that burning bush story? Pyro or kayo? Is the, is the bush pyro-ing or is it kayo-ing? Igniting fire, consuming fire? It's kayo, consuming fire. When Lou told this story of these guys, whose, whose conversation happened actually in a different... Uh, language that happened in Aramaic, not in Greek. Luke could have chosen either Greek word. He could have chosen pyro or Cairo. Either would have worked just fine, really. But lo and behold, he uses the same word for burning as he saw in the burning bush story. Okay, The story of God speaking to Moses through the embers of a burning bush. Okay? Pay attention, dear reader, Luke is saying right here, if you'll notice it. This is a new burning bush story. Go back and read the story in Exodus 3, please. Moses notices the burning embers of the bush. Moses makes a choice to pay attention to the embers in the bush. And when Moses makes a choice to pay attention to the burning embers, guess what? That is when he hears the voice of God in his life. Moses hears the voice of God when he chooses to pay attention to the burning embers. Embers. And a thousand years later, two disciples are walking down the road and they are literally talking with the risen Son of God in the flesh. And they too are given burning embers to hear the voice of God, this consuming fire, and they know it is there and they make a choice to ignore the burning embers at the center. And because they do the opposite of what Moses did, They don't get curious. They don't pay attention. They don't listen. They completely miss out on an incredible experience with God. And what I'm telling you today is this, my friends. Every single day of your life, God is going to place embers in your heart. You feel those little things going on in your heart. Okay, you feel something going on in there. You have some kind of event happen. It might be something catastrophic, okay, like a crucifixion in your life. It might be something wonderful like watching a sun break over the mountains in the morning. And God gives you these emotion things, all right? In your heart, in your center, these burning embers flutter around your heart in the body that the good Lord gave you. And the choice in that moment is right before you. Will you be a Moses or a Cleopas? Will you give your attention to everything happening all around you? Okay. Will you listen to all the noise? Will you conform your expectations to the people around you or the people behind you? Or will you make a choice to pay attention to the burning embers within and listen for what God might be saying to you, drawing your attention to And my plea is that you will choose to listen to the embers that God places in your heart. On the sixth day of creation... On the first page of the Bible, God created the human body. And when He did, He called it good. Part of that good creation is these emotions, these feelings that God wired into the circuits of your body. And God did it on purpose. It wasn't a mistake. God created those little feelings and emotions with love and care and purpose and meaning. Your heart has these moments where you feel joy or sadness or anger or envy or disgust or fear or surprise or love or whatever it is. All of those things, those are good gifts from God that God gave to you and God gave to Moses and God gave to the two disciples on the road. And the reason that God wired those things into you, those burning embers, those raging flames sometimes, is to speak to you god wants to speak to you god wants to draw your attention to something important you feel joy pay attention to the ember in your heart listen to that voice you feel sadness in your heart pay attention to the burning ember listen to that voice what is god trying to draw your attention to right now your heart is a burning bush Jesus walks with you every single day, but you'll only see Him if you actually pay attention. If you move past the circumference and go down to the center. My friends, God is at the center of things. God has to be at the center of things. Everything has to be in orbit around Jesus Christ at the throne. Your life has to have Jesus Christ at its very center. The Holy Spirit Whispers to you from the center, but we're so distracted by the noise and we don't hear what's going on around us. We're such circumference people that we don't hear it. But look at this story from today in Luke chapter twenty four. Look at look at verse seven seventeen. It says their faces were downcast. You look at verse twenty one. It says we had hoped our hearts had been full of hope. Look at verse twenty two. Some of the some of our women from our group left us. Stunned, left us amazed. The, the Greek there is, is literally threw it out of place. Like our hearts had been thrown out of place. And this whole time, this whole story, all this stuff is going on in their hearts. And God is trying to speak to them and show them that Jesus Christ is alive and Jesus is right in front of you. But they wouldn't pay attention to the burning embers. They wouldn't listen to their hearts. So let me just take one second to kind of clarify something. It is widely and pervasively understood that you should not be controlled by your emotions, right? Like that's a problem. You should not let your anger or your, fat, uh, your sadness or your fear run the show, okay? But listening to your heart and paying attention to those burning embers you feel in it, that's not the same thing as letting your emotions control you. What I mean is this. Let me kind of elaborate on what I mean by paying attention to those burning embers. Someone walks into a room, and suddenly you feel very uncomfortable. You're not exactly sure why. Okay, listen to your heart. Get curious. All right, get curious. Why? Why do you feel uncomfortable when this person is in the room? Okay, think about it. Get curious. Okay, you might feel uncomfortable because that person is just really, really different from you. Maybe they're from a totally different place, or they have like a different religion, or just they're just really different from you. And God is trying to, to draw your attention to something that you still have a little bit of prejudice in your heart that you need to work on, okay? Maybe that's what God is trying to draw your attention to, that burning ember of discomfort you feel. But maybe it's not that at all, right? You get curious. Maybe maybe God is trying to draw your attention to to that that Feeling because maybe there really is something to watch out for with this person. Maybe really there is something to be careful about. What is God trying to draw your attention to with those burning embers? Some tall man is standing over you in a college cafeteria, and he's visibly upset, and you're a young lady, and you feel uncomfortable, you feel scared. Listen to your heart. What is God telling you with that fear maybe god is telling you that some boundaries are being crossed and it's time to get some distance from this person right god speaks from the center god has gifted all of us with fear okay to protect us from dangerous things and dangerous people and fear cannot possess you or control you should not let it possess you or control you okay but sometimes it's a burning ember okay Everyone wants you to jump off the bridge into the river from 50 feet high? Maybe that's not such a smart thing. Maybe every time you talk with your spouse about this, or you talk with your, your kid about this, or a parent about this, whatever it is, you feel extra anxious. What's that all about? Okay, Get curious. Pay attention. Listen to those burning embers in your heart. What is God drawing your attention to in that? A resurrected life, my friends, pays attention to the burning embers within. A resurrected life is not a circumference life. A resurrected life has access to the center. The bottom line is that a resurrected life is a life that has access to the center in those burning embers within. Okay, so this morning I want to give you, uh, as I kind of close this, I just want to give you one little tool to put in your toolkit, okay, um, uh, to make this kind of a little more accessible, and that is this: I want to encourage you to practice prayers of lamentation. All right, so uh, practice prayers of lamentation. The Bible is full of prayers of lamentation. There is a book called Lamentations. Uh, there are many prayers of lamentation in the Psalms, uh, and. Personally, kind of in my teaching, I like to widen the, the aperture of that, the scope of what I mean by lamentations. This is not exactly accurate. But to me, when I say lamentations, I mean expressing whatever uh, is, is, is going on in your heart. All right. So classically, lamentations is only about grief or sorrow. But for me, when I say lamentation, I mean... Expressing not only grief or sorrow, but also stress or anxiety or gladness or joy or exuberance or excitement. Whatever is happening at your center. Okay, Every single day, this is what I want you to do this week, take some time to stop doing anything. Stop moving. Close your eyes. Go to the center of yourself. Ask yourself how you're actually feeling and take that to God. This is what we practiced earlier this morning. Okay, That was my trick. I was, I was doing that to set you up for this. Pray a prayer of lamentation. Okay, Share with God exactly how you're feeling in that moment. Are you feeling really joyful because of you know, how beautiful it is outside? Share that with the Lord. All right? Are you feeling really stressed because of what's coming down the pipeline this week? Share that with the Lord. Take time every single day of your life to stop. Close your eyes. Go to the center and express to God whatever is going on in your heart. Okay? When you begin to share your heart with God every single day, and you remember God's unconditional love for you in that, that God's going to accept you and love you no matter what is going on in here. I promise you this. Over time... You are slowly going to become less and less of a circumference person, and you are going to have greater and greater access to the center. Less of a Cleopas, more of a Moses. You will live more and more a resurrected kind of life. Let's go to a time of prayer, my friends. Loving and generous God and faithful God and God of the morning, God of the spring, God who comes to us over and over again to love us, to hold us up, and to call us forth into a renewed and uh, uh, resurrected life. We love You.